is good. He is great. What? He is good. He is great. He's wonderful. He's marvelous. <laughs> He's awesome. Well, today, as I said, we're celebrating baptism. And I don't usually preach about baptism when we're doing a baptism because, well, I'd like to do baptisms more, wouldn't you? Um, but I thought, you know, sometimes we need to just talk about baptism when we're doing baptism because there's a possibility that some people, even church people, don't really understand what baptism is all about. I mean, you may have seen somebody get baptized. You're going to see somebody get baptized today. But you still may not totally understand why we do baptism, what's it about, what's the meaning, and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I'm going to answer this question on the screen today. Why baptism? Now, normally I would read a passage of Scripture. You know how I <clears throat> normally preach. We read a text, and then I'd preach the message from that text. Today we're doing things a little bit differently because I'm going to use a different passage for each of my points. Today i got three points if you're keeping track. All right? So I'm going to use a different Scripture for each one. So turn to Matthew's Gospel, chapter number 3. That's our first passage. Matthew, chapter number 3. Let's pray. Father, would you speak to us now as we talk about baptism, as we think about that subject, Father? I pray that you just give us ears to hear and understand your word. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> Point number one, after we read Matthew 3, verses 13 through 15. Are you there? Say, I'm there. I'm there. All right. Now, when they had, uh, I'm in chapter 2, let's try chapter 3. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John, that's John the Baptist, at the Jordan to be baptized by him. That's how we know Jesus was a Baptist. <laughs> he was baptized by John the Baptist. What else would he be? Right? Verse 14. And John tried to prevent him. Now, I, I can't imagine a preacher, when somebody wants to be baptized, saying, no, 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 no. We're especially Southern Baptists, because you see, our, our whole deal, we're, we're judged on how many people we baptize. Not by God, but by the Southern Baptist Convention, right? You're judged on two things, how much money you give and how many people you baptize. So I can't imagine a Baptist preacher, which John was, saying, no, don't want to baptize you. We'll baptize the dog, the cat, and everybody else if we get a chance. So he tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And are you coming to me? But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. So first thought is this, our example. Our example. Now the Bible tells us more than once that Jesus is our example. I want to show you just a few places where it says that. First of all, in John chapter 13, verse 15, it says, Jesus speaking, For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Do you remember what was happening in that passage? 
They're in the upper room. They're about to have the Last Supper. Jesus takes off his clothes, wraps himself with a towel, and begins to wash the disciples' feet. He says, so I've given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Jesus is our example. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 2, this is from the New Living Translation. Here's what it says. Live a life filled with love following the example of Christ. So we are to follow his example to live how? A life filled with love. Here's another one, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21. For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. Christ suffered for us as an example. And Steve talked about this in Sunday school. How many of us are suffering? He told us that, uh, that this last year, 2020, was the most Christians killed for their faith in history in 2020, around the world. Not in the United States, but in North Africa, Middle East, China, different places where people uh, are being killed for the faith. So Peter says, look, you got to follow his example because he suffered for you. Okay, now back to our text in Matthew chapter 3. Jesus comes to John the Baptist at the Jordan River, and he asked him to baptize him. And John, knowing who Jesus was, you know he knew who Jesus was, right? Uh, he was his cousin, by the way. Huh? John the Baptist was six months older than Jesus. So he knew who Jesus was, and he tries to get out of it. Again, I say, I, I can't imagine a Baptist preacher trying to get out of baptizing somebody. But John says, no, no, I, I don't need to baptize you. You need to baptize me. Now I want you to pay attention to what Jesus says in verse 15, because this is critical. Jesus says, permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Have you ever read that and wondered what Jesus meant? Well, what did he mean right there that we need to do this because it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Did Jesus need to be baptized in order to be righteous, to be made righteous? Of course not. Jesus never sinned. Right? Do you know a lot of people believe Jesus sinned? Even Christians these days? I mean, you can see it, hear it, read it. People think Jesus sinned. They, they talk about the sins Jesus committed. I want to tell you what the Bible says, because it doesn't matter what anybody else says. It matters what the Bible says. Amen? Here's what Hebrews 4.15 says. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Read those last three words. That says Jesus never sinned. He never committed one Sin, never. He was tempted. Yes? This verse, Hebrews 4.15, that he was tempted in all points as we are, and yet he did not sin. Now, someone might ask the question, well, how, how is it possible that Jesus could be tempted in every way that we are? I mean, he lived 2,000 years ago. He didn't have the Internet. 
Gutenberg hadn't, hadn't invented the printing press. I mean, there were no, you know, naughty magazines. We didn't have the radio, TV. Can, can, would you agree with me? A lot of the stuff that tempts us comes through TV, radio, magazines, internet. Would you agree? Jesus didn't have any of that stuff. How could he possibly have been tempted in every way that we are? Have you ever thought about that? Well, here's what we need to understand. There are essentially three categories of sin. Here they are. The lust of the flesh, the eyes, the pride of life. Now, there's a lot of individual sins, but they can all be tied into one of those. Three general categories. Here's where the Bible talks about that, 1 John 2, 16. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Now follow me on this. Immediately after John finally baptizes Jesus, he's led out into the wilderness. Remember the story? You can read it in John, Matthew chapter 4. He's led out into the wilderness, by, by, by the way, by the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God leads him out into the wilderness. What's going to happen in the wilderness? He's going to be tempted. Satan's going to come and tempt him, right? Now, if you follow the story, if you read the story there in Matthew 4 and other Gospels, Jesus is tempted in all three of the categories we just mentioned. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. Uh, when, when, when Jesus has been out there for 40 days, he hasn't eaten, correct? He's hungry. Can, anybody in here ever gone 40 days without eating anything? How about 40 minutes? <laughs> Sometimes that's tough, isn't it? Um, so Jesus is hungry. And Satan comes to him with the first temptation. And he says, look, if you're really the son of God, turn these stones into bread. Because you're obviously hungry. After 40 days, you're hungry. So turn these stones into bread. What's that a temptation of? The flesh. His flesh was hungry. His flesh was hungry. So, category one fulfilled. Jesus was tempted in the flesh. The next temptation is, uh, if you'll uh, worship me, he took, takes him on a high mountain and he shows him all the kingdoms of the world. He says, if you'll worship me, I'm going to give you all of this. What's that a temptation? Temptation of the eyes. Talked about a couple weeks ago. What if you were the richest person on earth? You ever see something you really want? Come on now. You're tempted. You want that. You, you drive... You drive by a car dealership and you see a shiny car sitting out there and you go, ooh, whoo, look at my old rusty, worn out, can't shine no matter how much wax I put on it. And there's that shiny new car. Temptation of the eyes. So Jesus, temptation of the flesh, turn the stones into bread. Temptation of the eyes, I'll give you all this. Third temptation, third category, pride of life. Satan takes him up to the pinnacle of the temple. It's way up there. Stands him on the pinnacle of the temple and he says, look. Hey, by the way, 
Satan used the word of God in every temptation. Don't, don't, don't misunderstand. The devil knows the Bible. Probably better than most Christians. He just doesn't read it correctly. Otherwise, he'd repent. Amen? So he takes Jesus up to the pinnacle of the temple and he says, Okay, here's what the Bible says, Jesus. Throw yourself off because the Bible says the angels will bear up under you and not let you land hard on the pavement lest you dash your foot against a stone. What's that? What temptation? What category? Pride of life. Jump off and make a spectacle because you won't hit the pavement if the Bible's true. So Jesus was tempted in the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Now, I don't believe these three temptations are the only temptations Jesus faced. Do you? I mean, I think the devil kept coming to him just like he keeps coming to you and me. But the Bible says that he never once sinned. So he didn't need to get baptized in order to be made righteous. That's not what he's talking about in Matthew 3.15. In fact, getting baptized doesn't make anyone righteous. Are y'all with me? Now, there's some, some denominations that teach uh, baptism is what saves you. Right? In fact, if you don't get baptized, they would say, in fact, they go further than that. If you don't get baptized by them, <laughs> you're not saved. Well, <clears throat> do you have to get baptized to be saved? Yeah. You can be saved and go to heaven even if you're not baptized. Is that correct? Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah. Do you have any biblical evidence of that? Oh, yeah. The day Jesus died on the cross thief on each side. The one guy saying, hey man, get us down off here. And the other guy says, hey stupid, shut up. And he looks at Jesus and says, hey Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus says, oh this boy just got saved. We won't get into that. Well, I have to preach a whole sermon on that, but he's, Jesus, Jesus doesn't say, Hey, Roman soldiers, come down and get me off the cross and get this boy off the cross because we got to go baptize him. Because today he's going to be with me in paradise. Is that what happened? No. Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. Now, the old boy didn't get baptized. Not by the Baptist, not by the Church of Christ. No, he didn't get baptized. And Jesus himself said, today, you'll be with me in paradise. So, you, don't, you can be saved and not baptized and still go to heaven. Guess what? You can be baptized and go to hell. I guarantee you there's a lot of Baptists in hell today. And Methodists and Presbyterians and Church of Christ. Because baptism doesn't do it. So Jesus says, what did he mean? That we're going to fulfill all righteousness. Here, here it is. I put it on the screen for you. To fulfill all righteousness means to complete everything that forms part of a relationship of obedience to God. There it is. 
when Jesus says we've got to do this to fulfill all righteousness, that means that we're doing everything that forms a part of a relationship of obedience to God. Was Jesus obedient to the Father? Yes. yes. Are we supposed to be obedient to the Father? Yes. yes. So when we accept Jesus as our personal Savior, you know what we're doing? We're not just accepting, accepting him as our Savior. We're agreeing to live a life of obedience to him. Amen? A lot of people forget that part. I just want to go to heaven. I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. But they leave out that part, oh, oh I'm signing up to be obedient. And I've said this for years as a pastor. Our first act of obedience after we get saved is to follow our example and be baptized. That's our first act of obedience, to be baptized. So I've got to be honest with you about something. This, this bothers me. A lot of things bother me. Anything bother you? <laughs> this bothers me. I struggle with people who struggle with getting baptized. I've had it over, I mean, I've been a pastor for 38 years. I've had plenty of people who got, said they got saved. I may have even prayed with them. I may have led them to the Lord. And I say, okay, well, we need to get baptized now. And they say, well, you know, I, mm, I don't know about that. I'm scared of water. <laughs> I've, I've had that one. I'm going, do you take a bath? <laughs> Shower? You ever go swimming in your life? I'm afraid of water? Are you kidding me? I mean, you've signed up by trusting Christ as your Savior to be obedient, and yet you're starting out as disobedient. When I say, I'm not going to be baptized. No. Jesus is our example. And he, didn't get, he, he did not get baptized as a public testimony of his relationship with God. He already had a relationship with God. He didn't need to get saved. But Jesus got baptized to show us how to begin a life of obedience to God. To complete everything that forms part of a relationship of obedience to God. Jesus is our example. John writes in 1 John 2, 6, He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. So I'll say this to you this morning. If you haven't been baptized, if you've been saved, and you haven't been baptized as Jesus was, then you need to get that act of obedience done. You need to get to it. Amen? All right, Jesus is our example. Second thought, our exhortation, our exhortation. Now turn over to the end of Matthew's gospel, chapter 28. Matthew 28. <clears throat> These will be familiar verses to you, probably. You've certainly heard them taught or preached, if not read them yourself. Last three verses of the gospel of Matthew, beginning at verse 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them, the disciples. And here's what he says. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. See, that's our exhortation. Now, we may or may not know what exhortation means, so I'm going to give you the definition. 
The dictionary defines exhortation as this, a speech or discourse that encourages or earnestly advises. Let me give it again. A speech or discourse that encourages or earnestly advises. That's what those verses at the end of Matthew are. They are an exhortation. They are an encouragement. They're a piece of advice from Jesus. Now, baptism is given to the church. That, that's who he's talking to here, right? Ultimately, the church. These are the marching orders for the church. We call them the Great Commission. So, baptism is given to the church. And the church is supposed to baptize people who have become followers of Christ. That's what Jesus says. Make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's what we, the church, are supposed to do. We do baptism. Uh, anybody ever watched the movie The Apostle? Me and Stanley, the only ones that ever watched that movie? I like that movie. I, 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 yeah, there's some bad parts. I mean, not bad, bad, but... Anyways, he's, he's the apostle. And there's one point when he's running away from the law because he's just hit his wife's boyfriend <laughs> with a baseball bat. So he's running from the law. And there's one point where he goes out into the river in Louisiana and he baptizes himself. Every time I watch that movie, I get a kick out of that because that's not, that's not correct. You can't baptize yourself. The church does baptism because that's what Jesus told us to do. Do you know that Baptists didn't come up with baptism? The Baptist church didn't invent that. That's an exhortation from the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we as a church don't baptize people, we are being disobedient, just like the person who's come to faith in Christ doesn't want to get baptized. They're being disobedient. If we say, well, we're not going to baptize you, then we're being disobedient as the church. So those who come to faith in Christ are to get baptized. Uh, let me tell you my personal story, and you, you may have heard this, may not. I grew up in a Methodist church, and um, I got saved at age 13 at youth camp. Age 13. Now, I came back home from youth camp, came to my home church, where I, where I was raised until I went off to college. And my pastor never said anything to me about getting baptized. Not, not one word. Not, hey, Barry, glad you got, heard you got saved at youth camp. Now we got to baptize you. Not a word. I didn't get baptized until I was 25. Got saved when? 13. I got baptized at 25. You know why I got baptized at 25? Because I tried to join a Baptist church. We had just moved from New York to North Carolina to go to seminary. I was changing denominations. I was becoming a Baptist. So we joined Franklinton Baptist Church, 10 miles north of the seminary where we live. We went to it the first Sunday. And guess what was happening on the first Sunday we were there? The first Sunday we were there, they, were, they had a, a, a candidate calling a pastor. He was preaching his trial message. His name was Harry Kahn. Preaching his trial message, and I sat there thinking, you know, who this guy's really letting it fly. I ain't going to call him. They ain't going to call this guy. Man, he's preaching it too hard. You don't preach that hard for a trial message now. 
He did. The invitation, Denise and I already talked about it. We walked up to the front, said we want to join the church. He looked at Denise, said, you, are you saved? Yes. Have you been baptized? Yes. Barry, are you saved? Yes. Have you been baptized? No. So Harry said, you got to be baptized. Great. I want to be baptized. I didn't say, well, I don't know, I'm going to have to think about that now. You know, I've been a Christian since I was 13 years old. That means I've been a Christian for 12 years. I've been all right without baptism. Why do I got to get baptized? No, I didn't say that. I said, yeah, let's do it. They called him to be the pastor, by the way. I was surprised. And his first Sunday, he baptized me. I, I had to dig it, out, uh, dig it out of the bottom of a box. Here's my baptism certificate. Uh, July the 8th, 1984. That's when I got baptized. Franklinton Baptist Church, Franklinton, North Carolina. Harry R. Kahn was the pastor. I had to look for that a while because it was buried in a bunch of other stuff, but I found it. See, I got baptized. I wanted to be obedient to Jesus. That's what we're supposed to do as Christians, right? I mean, listen, when you sign up for the Lord's army and your commanding officer says, okay, private, drop and give me 20. Everybody know what that means? 20 play all you soldiers. Guys been through boot camp. Jim, you know what that means, right? Drop and give me 20. Can you imagine, Jim? Or any other guy's been, well, he's been in the military. Can you imagine Ben? He was in the Marines. I guarantee you, a Marine knows about this. Drop and give me 20. Ben, did you ever say to your uh, drill sergeant, you know what, Sarge? I'm just really not comfortable with that. I don't want all these other privates watching me do push-ups. So I, I, I think I'll pass. <laughs> ben, what, what would have happened if you'd have said that to your drill sergeant? <laughs> Can't use that kind of language in church. You ain't got no mama. Can you imagine that? You know that would not happen in the military. So when our commander, Jesus Christ, says, be baptized, what should we do? Be baptized. And when he says to the church, go and make disciples and baptize them, what should we do? We should baptize them. That is our exhortation. And again, I say to you today, if you haven't done that yet, it's time. Time to obey the commander. All right, last point. Our experience. Look at Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. Verses 3 and 4. Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should, be, should walk 
in the newness of life. Now, in case you don't understand this, I, I need to explain this. Baptism is for believers. We call this believers' baptism. It is for those who have repented of their sin, received God's gift of forgiveness, received God's gift of eternal life, and accepted their role as a follower of Jesus Christ. Baptism is not something our parents can do for us when we are babies. Anybody else raised in a Methodist church? Methodists aren't the only ones that do this. My mom never did that. I didn't even get baptized as a baby because my mom didn't believe in that. I'm thankful my mom believed the Bible and not the Methodist doctrine or Catholic or whoever else does that, right? See, your parents, my parents, you can't take your baby to the priest, to the pastor, to whatever his name is, and say, would you baptize my baby for me? I want to make sure he's going to get in the kingdom. <laughs> that ain't going to happen. Huh? You've got to be a believer. You've got to make that choice yourself. You've got to make that decision to trust Christ. So baptism isn't something our parents can do for us. Baptism is not something that we do just because our parents want us to. I've had parents over the years who say, you know, my, my son, Junior, here, he's, he's 12 years old. He hasn't been baptized yet, but we need, to, we need to get him baptized. Well, is he saved? Well, we'll take care of that later. No, 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 no. Baptism doesn't save you. So your parents might want you to do it, but if you're not ready to do it, don't do it. In fact, I say to parents, look, don't push them into baptism. Don't push them into being saved. Talk to them about it. Make sure they understand it and let the Spirit of God do His work. Baptism is not something we do just because our brother or sister or one of our friends did it. I've had that happen, seen that happen. That happens a lot during vacation Bible school kind of stuff. You know, oh, my friend Johnny, he went up there and God said, he's going to get baptized. I, well, I better go too. Oh, my big brother and my big sister. They're going to get baptized. I want to get baptized too. In fact, my, when, a, when a child comes to me and the first thing they say is, I want to be baptized, my red flag goes up. Because that isn't the first thing that needs to happen. Amen? need to get saved first. So ho, ho, let's back up. Time out. Let's back up. Let's talk about why you would want to be baptized and why you should be baptized. So, Baptism is not something you do to follow somebody else, friend or brother, sister, whoever it is. And it's certainly not something we do because we, we think we can't get to heaven without it. I better get baptized because I can't get to heaven. Oh, yeah, you can. Thief on the cross. We already looked at it. So why do we get baptized? We get baptized because we have had an experience with Jesus Christ. We have been saved. We've been born again. We have confessed Jesus as Lord. We have done what Romans 10, 9 says, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Here's a question. Have you done that? Have you done that? Has there been a point in your life where you did that? You confessed Jesus as your Lord and Savior. 
Now, if, you, if you've done that, you've had an experience with Jesus Christ. That's what we're talking about, our experience. And then it's time to get baptized because that's a part of the way we say he is Lord. Remember, he's the commanding officer. He's Lord. Now, back to what we read in Romans chapter 6. Paul's explaining something very important about our experience. He says, Do you not know that as many of us as were baptized in Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into his death. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Now let me explain something to you without taking too much time. There are two baptisms. How many? Two. When we become a Christian, there are two baptisms. The first one is the baptism in the Spirit. Here's what 1 Corinthians 12, 13 says. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink in one Spirit. Now that baptism, the baptism in the Spirit, takes place the moment we trust Christ as our personal Savior. The Holy Spirit takes up residence in us. He seals us unto the day of redemption. He, he becomes our, not our co-pilot, pilot. That's the baptism of the Spirit. Now, the baptism of, of water is the second baptism, and that's when we do what we're going to do today in this nice, warm water. It takes place sometime after we get saved. Now, for me, that was 13 years. Uh, it shouldn't take that long. Uh, sometimes There's some churches you go to, man, you get saved. They got clothes for you to put on. You're getting baptized for you. Leave the building. You ever been to one of those? I mean, you're not getting out of here without getting. We, maybe we should do that. We'd have to have this all the time. We can't do that. But sometime after you get saved, sometime after you come to faith in Christ, you get baptized in water. Now, notice what it says in verse 4. We were buried with him through baptism into his death. Skip down the last phrase. Even so, we also should walk in newness of life. See, that verse makes it very clear that our water baptism is a symbol. It is, a, it is symbolic of the fact that we've died to ourselves, received Christ as our life, and now we're going to walk in newness of life. It's also a very clear picture of what kind of baptism is biblical. We want to be biblical, right? So, in water baptism, Paul says we are buried into Christ's death. Let me ask you a question. When they buried Jesus, did they sprinkle just a little dirt on his head? No. Did they pour a bucket of dirt on top of him? No. When he was buried, what happened? His entire body went in the tomb. They didn't bury him like we do, you know, drop six foot under, drop, you know, but he was in a tomb. His whole body went in there. He went completely in the tomb. He was buried. Now, don't miss the connection Paul is making here. If baptism is done with a few sprinkles of water or even a cup of water, can it possibly portray burial? 
No, absolutely not. In fact, the Greek word for baptism literally means, are you ready? To plunge, to immerse, to sink. That's what the word means. It doesn't say, that's not baptism. Wait a minute. No. Or even... Good thing I had a towel back here. No. There's no way that that can portray, symbolize burial. How was Jesus baptized? No. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 16, when he, it says, when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water. How does someone come up from the water if they've never gone down into the water? They can't. So immersion is not only it is the only form of baptism that properly symbolizes burial. That's why we do it this way. That's why we have this. That's why these Stanley and Irene are going to get up in there and they're going to sit down and I'm going to put them under the water. Under the water. Because that's what we do with dead folks. Did y'all know you were dead? Irene? Stanley? <laughs> You had to die to yourself to receive Christ's life. That's what, that's what salvation is all about. So we're going we're gonna to bury them, as Paul says. That's why we do it like we do it. But don't miss the point that baptism is for believers. It's not just a religious exercise. It's not just to make our family happy. It's not just so we can join the church. It's, it's not a ritual that gets us to heaven. Baptism is the result of our experience with the Lord Jesus Christ. So here's the question. Have you had that experience? If not, you can before we leave today. That's good news. If you've had that experience with Jesus and you've not followed his example or obeyed his exhortation, Time to get baptized. Perhaps someone here, um, my wife was in this situation, got baptized when she was like nine years old, made a profession of faith, got baptized. Long time after that. And we're the same age. Well, no, she's 11 months younger than me. We were born the same year. So she got baptized at nine years old. That would have been 1968. Huh? I've been what? 95. Got baptized at 1968. We'd already been married. I'd been a pastor for 15 years, nearly. We had a revival. Denise had just been through a Bible study. Uh, precept upon precept through the book of James. And I remember one night she came home after Bible study and she said, 
I got saved tonight. I said, huh, what? You're the pastor's wife. What do you mean you just got saved tonight? So she told me about it, and I said, well, that's great. We never talked about her getting baptized again. And it was a couple years after that we were having this revival, and, and she came up one night during the revival and said to me, and she's, with tears in her eyes, she said, you know, I got saved here a couple years ago. I need to get baptized. I, I, I was, when I was baptized the first time, I wasn't really saved. Now I am. I need to get baptized because this is believer's baptism, not make-believer's baptism. Right? Someone might say, well, what if she was really saved at nine years old? I'm glad you asked the question. You can only get saved once. If she was saved at nine, her baptism counted. If she wasn't saved at nine, when she got baptized at however many years it was, about 20 years old, I think, maybe. You'll figure that out. <laughs> then that one counted. It doesn't matter. But you want to get it in the right order. You want to get baptized after you're saved. Now, some of you may be in the same condition. You got baptized as a child or as a teenager, and you realize, you know what, I, I wasn't really saved then. I don't, don't think I was. Even if you were, it doesn't matter. I don't think I was. So I get saved now, got saved a couple years ago, got saved this morning, whatever. So I need to get baptized because I need to get baptism on the right side of my salvation. Understand that? I need to get it in the right order. Saved first, baptized. Not baptized, saved later. So that may be you. But you need to be baptized. Now, you may not, you may be, for some reason, you, you've been saved, you've never been baptized like I was for 13 years. You may be, what, you know what, when I was a kid, I, I don't know that one really, I don't think, know if I was really a believer then, but I am now. I've never been baptized again. I need to do that. Now, you may not be able to do it today. You can get wet if you want to. The water's warm, but you've got to get out and go home. It's going to get cold. But we can get you in line for the next one. Amen. Okay, here's the invitation. I'm going to excuse our two baptism candidates to get ready. Here's the invitation. Maybe, perhaps, you need to trust Christ today. Now, you know, a lot of times I say that, other pastors say that, and we don't ever explain what that really means. What does it really mean to, to trust Christ, to receive Christ as my Savior? It means, as I've already said, I'm admitting I'm a sinner, I'm repenting of my sin. I'm trusting Christ by faith. What he did on the cross paid my sin penalty. And I'm receiving his life as I die to my own life. Giving up my life, receiving his life. That's what it means to be saved, to trust Christ, to be born again. Maybe you're, that's where you are today. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads, and I'm going to ask you if that's you today, if that's you. Maybe I did it when I was a kid, when I was a teenager, a long time ago, and I, you know what? I really didn't get it, and I, but I want to get it now. I want to get it straight now. Can I tell you something? 
Eternity is a long time to be wrong about your salvation. Don't walk out of here thinking, maybe, I hope, I'm okay. Walk out of here knowing. 1 John 5, 13. I've written these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. So know it today before you leave. Don't, don't think it. Don't hope it. Don't wish it. Know it. Now, if you want to join Hope Fellowship today, you can join by letter from another church. You can join by statement of faith. Say, I'm a Christian. I've been baptized. I want to join the church. Or you can join by baptism. That means you were like I was at 25 years old. I want to join the church, but I hadn't been baptized. Okay, well, we got to baptize you. Let's go right here. we got water. <laughs> you can do that today during the invitation. You can join Hope Fellowship in any of those ways. Now, if you need to come during the invitation for any other reason, you can come as we, as we sing after I pray. But look, would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Today, if you're, if you're sitting there and you know that you know that you know that you're saved. I mean, if the trumpet blew today and Jesus split the eastern sky, you know you'd be on your way up. Or if you died, fell over with a heart attack right where you sit, and you know you're saved, you know you're going as soon as you die, I want you to raise your hand up. Just raise your hand up. Yes, I know it. I know I'm saved. I know I'm saved. I know I'm saved. All right, thank you. Put them down. Now, if you couldn't raise your hand, don't leave here without Jesus. Don't go out of here hoping you're okay. You might be a pastor's wife. You might be a Sunday school teacher. You might play in the band. You might take up the offering. You might be in church every Sunday the doors open. But you don't know for sure that you're saved. If that's you, you can pray a prayer simply like this. Listen, this prayer isn't magical. It's not written in the Bible. This prayer just simply expresses what you need to understand and express to God if you want to be saved. Here it is, just simply. Some, something like this. Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I admit it. I've broken your laws. I've disobeyed you. I'm a sinner. But I understand that you love me and that you sent your son Jesus to die in my place. That he took my punishment, my judgment, my wrath upon himself. And so I repent of my sin today. And I believe and confess that Jesus is the only Savior and that he is my Savior. And I receive what he did for me today. I'm making him Lord of my life. He's now my commander. And I'm going to follow his example. So thank you for saving me. 
I look forward to being with you forever in heaven one day. In Jesus' name. Now, if you prayed that prayer, I'm going to be standing down here in the front, in front of the baptistry as our musicians come. And I'm going to stand there and you can come and say, Pastor, I prayed with you. And I just want to let you know and let this church know I trusted Christ as my Savior. And we're going to rejoice with that. We're not going to say, oh, oh, look, at, oh, we thought you were a Christian. No, we're not going to say that. We're going to rejoice that you can come. Or if you want to join Hope Fellowship, you can come today as we sing. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to sing. Father, these next few moments as we listen to your spirit, I pray that we will do as you lead us to do. If, if someone's prayed to receive Christ today, give them the courage to step out and walk down this aisle and make it public today. If they want to join the church today, whatever it is, Father, would you work during these moments? In Jesus' name, amen.